welcome, welcome, welcome to the anchor.com, the anchorfm.com, the home of the podcast where you can be heard all around the world from your bedroom, bathroom, living room, kitchen, in your home, apartment, condo, dormitory, or your RV, on your flat screen TV, your cell phone, your, your iPod, or your computer screen with your headphones on. Thank you and welcome. If you happen to be out and about in the drive through curbside service parking lot with a mask on at the bus stop, back with a motor pad, motorcycle, a hummingboard, playing ball, back to work, Zooming, uh, business. However and where you are, please be safe and careful as we welcome you to the autumn and glad to have you as always. Thank you for your support. And again, please, please be careful. Be safe out there with everything that's going on. This episode is going to be a special album one. Um, album that was come from 40 years ago. And it was Prince's um, big commercial breakthrough 1999 album. And, you know, the tag of produced, arranged, composed, and performed. It's a multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, vocalist, arranger, production, producer, conceptionalist, artwork, engineering, mixing. Prince was doing it all. This particular album was the album where I say, like, he had his thing together as a producer and sound and everything, you know. That year, he also produced The Time, which he wrote, produced, worked with Morris Day, and then worked with The Time and Vanity Six. And this had his thing going as a producer, but this album right here was the one that cemented him his legacy as an artist on his own. And I'm going to go back through all the songs and give you my observations and go through them. 1999 was the lead track, End of the World as We Know It, Orson Welles inspired. Futuristic with the synthesizers, with the voices, the three-point harmony, the slide of family stone mamas, and the papa 60s throwback type of vibe in a modern context was a very powerful track. <clears throat> and one of them songs that just resonated and uh, it really had an aura about it. Very strong. Little Corvette, sexual metaphor songs with cars from Chuck Berry later on with R. Kelly but in between Prince hit it with Little Red Corvette and the car metaphor was such a cool concept it never dies you can't go wrong the 12 inch version of the song is even better with Mayday and the bass and the Lynn drum machine but the pop aspect of this song made this song so catchy and you understand why it became a pop classic and of course one of the earlier videos of Black Artistry on MTV as well very important and catchy next big hit was Delirious which was a rockabilly song which if you're fans of Elvis Presley Chuck Berry Little Richard it falls into rockabilly and it worked and it was part of Prince's uh, style and sound he definitely was inspired by that late 50s early 60s rockabilly groove which was catchy and when he used synthesizers and his vocals with this track but it was a catchy song for him and it was used quite well the next track, Lex Pretender Married, which was a nod to Marilyn Monroe's seven-year itch. Had all kinds of things going on with the song. Had that cold synthesizer feel, the Gary Newman British uh, Euro pop, uh, New Romance vibe. You could definitely tell he had been listening to a, a lot of uh, Gary Newman and other British synth pop. And it was real happening with electronics. A lot of stuff going on with this track, but uh, it's the way it ended, which was the, the telling tale of the song. So it was another one of those tracks that uh, Prince built up on the walls of synthesizers and programs and beats. And it had that cold synth feel, which was part of the Minneapolis sound, which worked 
the next track to me, which is to me was the first era of Prince, basically DMSR, Dance Music, Sex Romance, because that's the early era of Prince, the rawness, the sound, the style, the attitude, the action. This song here had a cold synth groove and it was funky and probably still to this day my favorite song on the album because it just has a cold groove to it which you know and he name checks the time of Andy Six and you know but it's the thing that you knew that this guy was going to be a style of sound he was definitely going to be his own movement the next track the very inspired Gary Newman S Automatic A-U-T Automatic and then this was an 8 minute groove had that trademark what I call underwater guitar sling with the synthesizers and the programming beats and then the way the bass would erupt up and then his vocals and the layering of uh, Lisa Coleman and Jill Jones but you hear the voices coming up <clears throat> very distinctive how he would do that the synthesizer sounds and the program and the beats that he was going for were very eclectic and happening at that time and you see why he came across very avant-garde as an artist because it was a strong statement with how that all connected in a twisted way and the way he would role play very, very treasure. next cut something in the water does not compute one of his most bold straight up forward songs uh, had that cold bass groove the cold programming and the way he vocalized and the way he expressed himself one of those songs that that's an artist's type of song you know it's not going to necessarily be a pop hit or nothing but it's one of those songs when you listen to it you definitely feel the edge and the groove of it and it definitely um has staying power the next cut free which you could say is like a cousin to what would become purple rain and then the latter prince had these type of stylistic thematic songs where it's as close to anthems and um, his own euphoria that he would and how he would use those and they would take on a, again wall of synthesizers and the beats and the vocals and harmony and the way he would use other vocalists and styles to bring his unity his his uh, sermons if you will that's what I would describe it as freak the next cut Lady Cab Driver <laughs> No Hards Barred and him and Jill Jones role playing which made it seem more mm, assault, assaultive, seemed very shaky. But he, he, he pontificated and spoke about um, money and greed, troll, and everything you see. It was a real cool rant and vent. It also was a funky groove because, I mean, the guitar, the, the keyboard horns, the, everything that he did in his arrangements. You could tell his soul sound had came together. And I'm going to rock, and I've said this in public about Prince. Dirty Mind Controversy and 1999 to me are his musical trinities. That's where, to me, he hit his apex. He really got it together with the synthesizers, his groove. He found his voice. He found his pen. And he knew he And this is what made 1999 work because it was a culmination of that which got that full fulfillment. And you definitely hear it on a track like this with the synthesizer groove in the middle and the bass. He showcases instrumentalist chops, his arrangements, and his attention to production. And then how him and Jill Jones wordplay off of one another. Which, <clears throat> it sounds like one thing, and then when you hear how they actually did it, it was a trip. But it worked. He definitely knew how 
to blend. And I still say 82 was his best year as a producer because I think he really hit the mother load with his style. And Lady Cab Driver had the trademark Lynn drum machine, had the claps, had the guitar going the sideways, had the bass. You know, he had a very distinctive thing. His bag was definitely coming distinctive with that. The next track, All the Critics Love You in New York. Mm. Tongue in Cheek. And Prince and Critics were always something else. Some of them, you know, it was a lot of politics. It was like a little, I got you, you got me type of thing. But it was very, a direct cut, you know, with where he was coming from with that and what he was looking to say. He was very much aware of his position and where he was going to go as an artist. A lot of artists aren't never going to come out and say certain things like that, but he did. So this was pretty direct. And you can feel with the groove, uh, it kind of rumbles. I mean, you know, you can give or take, but the groove complements what he was trying to say, you know. It had a straightforward shuffle to it, synth pop, but it was the way he said it and the way he worded You could tell he was feeling a certain way in itself. And the last track, International Lover, which uncreditably Morris Day's playing drums on. And you sometimes you go back and you listen to certain tracks that you're listening for. Cause that came out in the deluxe edition but prince had these uh grandiose slow jams he would do and like a comedian and somewhere near the end he'd have a funny punchline just like he did with this but international level was so tongue-in-cheek and so hilarious and originally it was written for the time prince kept it for itself but it was and it would have actually gone next to gigolos get lonely too it have been hilarious the lyrics it, but the groove is a standard r&b the way the drums, the way the guitar, the bass. It's a standardized track. You listen to it, it's very much standardized, but it works though as far as its concepts. And to me, again, this is, as a producer, to me, this is Prince's prime and peak because I don't think he produced where his coher- everything was so coherent and that it tied into a theme and a style and what was represented at the time. I think he really nailed it. And uh, you understand why this is one of the most influential and important albums from the last 40 years and what have you. This is the record that got Prince into household territory. Uh, Purple Rain would come on you later and do bigger numbers, etc. But this was the one that got it going for him and left a lasting impact. And it still felt to this day, you know, it still felt to this day. It says, Alan, you could debate if it's the best Prince album or not. It's close to what you're looking for, but the grooves, the production, the attitude, the mood, the tempo, everything was on the one. It was, it, it had a little bit of, it had everything, and it worked. It worked. Please hit like, subscribe, welcome thoughts, comments, and I do respond. Thank you. And please give me your thoughts or takes on Prince's 1999 album and how this album stacks up amongst his others, which is always a highly debatable topic. And also, when you talk about one of he's one of the most important influential artists of the last century and um, definitely left a lasting impact with the Minneapolis sound and style and so many other people that were involved in the project too and uh, much respect keep it funky keep it on the one please be safe be careful out there if you never heard Prince's 1999 album please do and let me know your thoughts and your takes until next time peace and the best be careful be safe we look forward to hearing from you my own peace